This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Like my dad, bang on about the old radio stuff. Let's scan through some stations and see. Time. 
bloody li- missed that music. <laughs> I have bloody uh, missed it. Oh, Maxi, I'm glad to see you, mate. I'm going to fuck off for six weeks now. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Shane Wrestling is cancelled. <laughs> oh, mate, honestly, it is just glorious seeing your little round grey stubbled face, my friend. Well, and it's glorious seeing your huge round brown bearded face as well. Is that uh, right? So, how have you been for six weeks? What have you been up to? Oh, I've been all right. I, 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 I was busy most Monday nights. Um, I, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, I had mate, a right yeah, good scarf. It's uh, collecting fruit and veg all from all over the world. Yes, indeed, indeed. It's been. It's been interesting. I want to before we actually. I was going to do it at the end of the show, but I'll do it right now. I want to say thank you to everyone who gets hosted on Chain Wrestling. Uh, whilst Magsy had his break, whilst Magsy was away, everyone who came in and helped me out. We had Matt Willis, we had Andy from Bang Bang, we had Benny Mac, we had my good lady Sharon. Uh, you know, just fantastic. Everyone who stepped in to to help out. I tried to make it a a sort of revolving door, so you know, just keeping the seat warm until the Lord Himself returned. Yeah, so I suppose we may, I may as well talk about why I've been away because I haven't really been uh, trying to carve a career as a greengrocer, uh, as, as science made out. <laughs> so, um, uh, basically, um, a few months ago, I had a, a little bit of uh, mental health issues, uh, uh, kind of like a, an emotional breakdown. Um a lot of uh, kind of stressful uh, things have happened uh, in mine and my family's life for the over the last couple of years, and uh, it all kind of like built to a head where uh, essentially the the stress uh, had to escape, and it did. Uh, so I needed a little bit of time away, needed to uh, kind of like get my my head straight because, as you all know, I podcast a ridiculous amount of stuff, um, so I kind of never really gave myself the the chance to um deal with my own kind of like mental health issues or kind of uh, any um any chance to kind of just heal i suppose as as a, as a person or or grieve or or whatever kind of like uh, problems you you have when you go through these stressful situations um so it all built up um and yeah just uh it all came to head and I needed some some time away. Um, you guys have all been absolutely um, amazing. Uh, kind of like uh, Sa said, uh, everyone who ch- jumped in, uh, uh, sometimes at a moment's notice, uh, you were all absolute superstars for that. Um, Got to give thanks to the rest of the, the Techers team. We've all been massively, massively supportive. Um, people who've been checking in on me uh, week in, week out, uh, guys like Kurt Johansson, uh, Conrad from uh, Everything Pro Wrestling, um, Matt, uh, yourself, sir, you've been uh, an absolute star. Tanner, uh, Ray Cash, again, I, I absolutely love that guy. Really massively, massively supportive. All the CWF have been absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, you've really helped me through this uh, these past few weeks. Um, Andy from Bang Bang, been superb. Uh, uh, jumping in the DMs and checking in on me. Uh, and Mort and Fitch uh, from uh, from that po- their podcast, been so so supportive really really uh um checking in on me making sure i'm doing well uh, which uh, is so massively appreciated i absolutely love uh every single one of you 
But uh, I think the biggest thanks I have to give um, is to my, my wife and my family because they've been through the mill as much as me and I couldn't have asked for better people to lean on. Uh, they have been so good uh, over the last eight weeks that, yeah, it's uh, it's it's brought us all really close together as a, as a family. I mean, we were close anyway, but this has really kind of like brought us all really close together. So, yeah, um, in terms of podcasts, um, I've, I've missed doing them all, but this one uh, has always got a special place uh, uh, for me, so this was always going to be the one that I wanted to return to first. In terms of the, all the rest, I don't know where I'm quite at with uh, with um, coming back to them. Uh, it was quite obvious I was using podcasting as a, a distraction uh, to have, rather than deal with the issues that I had to deal with. Um, now I'm uh, in a, a place where I, I am uh, acknowledging my issues. I don't know whether some or all of them are going to return. Um, we'll, uh, we'll cross those bridges as we come to it, but one thing is for sure, I'm back on the uh, Monday nights for chain wrestling. And for that, I am hugely, hugely grateful. As I know, everyone else in the CWF will be, mate. And it's just awesome to have you back. Thank you for being so open about... Uh, I know there's only select people who kind of knew what was going on, people, you know, <laughs> and so on. So it's great that you've been so open about it. And, and, and that, that's fantastic. And it's, it's the same as any scenario. I mean, I've, I've gone through some wobbles in my time. That, that's just... no. Oh, that's just what I refer to them as. People have different names, different situations, of course. Uh, anyone who ever feels that way, you've got to speak to someone. You've got to get it checked out. You can't yeah. just bury your head in the sand because it makes you get worse. You can't just protect. You can't just man up, as the saying goes, or whatever. It's it, you know, there, there's so many things out there now about mental health and, and people getting help for mental health issues and so on. That's not just a new fad thing for the sake of it. That's there for a reason. That 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 mm-hmm. is coming to light more. Uh, that's becoming more apparent in everyday life for a reason. And I implore anyone who's ever just feeling that way or, or is unsure as to why they're feeling a certain, or anything like that, just reach out, drop someone a message, have a chat yeah. with someone, go see a bloody doctor. They're paid money and they're paid very well to talk to you about this sort of thing. So mm-hmm. make sure you do get it checked out, have a chat with someone. Sometimes just a chat and a point is enough. Sometimes going to the doctor is needed, whatever. It, it's just, just make sure it happens. Is, is yeah, all I can really say, Max. Absolutely. Um, we need to normalise people um, uh, dealing with their own mental health issues, uh, and especially in uh, men, uh, and especially men of of our age. Um, we're of a generation where, like like you said, people, you had to man up. You had to have a stiff upper mm-hmm. lip. Men, yep. men didn't have feelings. Men didn't have emotions. They just tuck it on the chin, grin and bear it kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's it's just, that's just not the way to deal with your issues. Uh, Everybody would be happier and healthier if they um, recognise that they have issues and and took steps to to deal with it. So if you are struggling, definitely reach out to somebody. Definitely, like I said, have a chat um, with your friends, have a chat with your doctor. uh, And let's let's normalise this because... I have, have felt firsthand just how debilitating and how lonely and how um, just horrible uh, struggling with mental health is. Um, so yeah. the more we we share, the more we talk, the more we normalise it, 
less people will have to go through the the issues that that they have been through so uh yeah definitely go and uh and get yourself some some uh mental health checkups yeah without a doubt without a doubt ah magsy i suppose that's all the seriousness out the way and covering things we want to discuss and so on i just want to carry on as though you've never been away now mate so i suppose we should just start the show as normal Good evening, good morning, <laughs> wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Cy. Oh, that sounds so funny. It's almost like you forgot my name then. <laughs> A Radio Techers production. I am Cy, and with me back again is the hugely missed to my, being often pissed to be fair, in your absence, Mags, uh, the game to my lane, a podcaster. Who has proven that, yes, absence does indeed make the heart grow fonder. The podfather himself, Lord Mags, returning to chain wrestling. It's fantastic to see you, bird. Fantastic to see you. Kablam. Um, I'm absolutely stuff. glad to be back. Absolutely glad to be I have missed the hell out of all of you all. Shall we dive into the chat, Magsy? Can you remember how to do this? Uh, I can't. I certainly can. And Jesus Christ, we have got a jam-packed house today. Matt Willis, Sharon, Dan... Tanner, all the way from that there, America. Charlie, Scottish Danny, um, Dan Griffin, Connor McCabe, Andy from Bang Bang, um, Matt from Five Nerds Go, who has also needs a needs a, a little bit of a special shout out for his uh, <laughs> for his images of me. Oh, uh, if anyone's not seen Jesus those, go and Christ. find go and find Five Nerds Go on Twitter and have a look at it basically he said he was going to tweet an image of magsy or, or a gif of magsy uh every day whilst he was away some days were missed some days were, were were filled but however go and check it out there's some absolute gold on that guy's twitter twitter timeline i'll tell you that now and there's absolutely some horrific horrific images <laughs> that i will never forget uh, graham from good cop bad cop in the in the chat as well um cameron griffin's in the chat um yeah it's a packed house millwall chris as as well uh but let's get some comments up i mean there's hundreds already so can't i, I don't think i'll go through most if i miss any uh apologies but they are mainly i'm back he's back what a sight for sore ass he's back lots of love uh love to you as well matt uh, and chris tano welcome back mags there welcome back lord mags just Honestly, this is making me well up. It really, really is the 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 just outpouring of support from you guys. Um, Dan, have you brought a selection of veg from your expedition? I've eaten it all, Dan. That guava was particularly delicious, apparently. <laughs> uh, Conor oh, McCabe man. in the chat. Good afternoon, Si, and welcome back. Uh, good mags, how are we today? And Si, you've lost a great chance uh, uh, to say that's got to be mags. I, I did try it earlier on, 
practice when you when you tweeted that out, mate. But my Mister McMahon slipped into a really weird, weird sort of terrible impression. So I just let it let it be. So <laughs> as that's probably the best idea, uh, Sharon. We love you, Mags. All is right with the chain universe. Um, then we on to a little bit of the the mental health chat uh so dan so happy for you making strides with your mental health yeah absolutely um for context i've got some medication from from the doctor and it's um really helps with the the the, the kind of low uh, moods the the kind of overthinking stuff like that but it also kind of does take away a little bit of the the excitability the uh the enthusiasm for stuff so it's a little bit of swings and roundabouts um but it's a lot better than uh, than than going through the the struggles that I've gone through. Matt Willis said he hates the term "man up." Yep, yeah, it's so it's it is is right. It's such a horrible, horrible phrase. Very kind of um, um, just draconian uh, with its with its mindset, um, as if men shouldn't be able to to express feelings. Um, Graham saying, "Welcome back, Mags. Hot outside in, uh, on Memorial Day in the USA." So I came inside to get some cool. Uh, so I wanted to join, and you are always welcome, sir. Um, and uh, uh, slamming down the point that, that we made about talking uh, yep. about your mental health, definitely, definitely. Um, Millwall Chris, guys, just down in to say welcome back, Mags. We all love you, mate, and we're all there if you need anything. You know, you honestly, every one of you have been absolutely superb. It's just, it's you have helped me. I wouldn't be back as quick as I am if it wasn't for for you guys. Um, so yeah, it's been massively appreciated. Um, Dan with Mags and Sar and a tear in my eye. <laughs> Graham already with the with the jabs off. Didn't miss this Yankees hat. Well, I'll get an extra one. Uh, uh, extra hat just for you, Graham. Um, I'm glad you're back as the internet couldn't cope with two people in the West Country <laughs> logging on at the same time. Brilliant. Um, uh, five minutes ago, I got him every day. Not sure why they don't show up, though. Not sure what I'm going to do with my day now. Carry it on. I mean, yeah, I've seen to d- today's one uh, with the, the, the nipples blowing out the candles. Amazing. That was brilliant. Absolutely amazing. And <laughs> um, we'll... Uh, We'll end for now on this one. Kablam indeed by Matt. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So then, Magsy, have you got anything that you're lobbing the Hall of Lane this week? Should we get on with that? I have got something, so let's do it. The Hall What we got? What we got? So, uh, bear in mind, I haven't uh, listened to any of the, uh, or I haven't listened to all of the the episodes that have been uh, done whilst I'm away, so I may overlap with some of my picks, I don't know, but do you know what, I don't even care. Um, So, here we go. Um, Now, I want to go back to um, 1999-2000 and... uh, Back in back in that that time of wrestling, there was some huge superstars. Wrestling was uh, was at one of its massive peaks, um, and it, you look at like stars like Austin, The Rock, and then on the other side you had uh, Sting and Goldberg. It was one of the greatest times to be a wrestling fan. Um, but there was a wrestler who, if you were to bank money on them being a big big star, you you would have put everything on Mark Orson being a, a major world champion. The guy had 
absolutely everything. Six foot odd tall, 300 pounds, built like an absolute brick shit house. Looked like he carved out of granite, but the guy could move like a cruiserweight. He could do things for at that time that, that no big man was doing. Um, ECW uh, World Heavyweight Champion had a little bit of an issue with being uh, paid by Paul Emmons so or left the company. Uh, Many went did, to, they, let's be fair. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he went to uh, went to WCW. Uh, I think he debuted uh, in April of uh, 2000, um, attacking Kevin Nash on his debut. So that just showed just the, the kind of potential that he had uh, going to one of the big two companies. Um didn't fare off too well much after that. I mean, he, he played a big part in the kind of like the new blood uh, and the, the millionaires club storyline, uh, but it it wasn't that long before he had a, a bit of a, a gimmick change. Uh, so in a, a July of 2000, his, uh, his gimmick was tweaked a little bit where he started having infatuations with a <laughs> heavy set, perhaps a, Plus yeah. size women um, called himself um, the Fat Chick Thriller. Now, like I said, this guy should have been on top of the world. This guy should have been a world champion multiple times over. But now he was chasing chubby women and he was uh, saying that he would do anything to to please them. They even, uh, WCW even brought in uh, a natural girl called Beef. Uh, for him to uh, to try and woo, uh, it's so bad. Um, so pretty much his whole gimmick for that. I mean, it only lasted a couple of months, but pretty much his whole gimmick was was trying to woo um, yeah. heavy set women, and he had one particular heavy set woman who uh, who was his favourite, and there'd be uh, lots of kind of skits of him trying to feed her up with a. Uh, with loads of burgers or cupcakes, stuff like that. Um, eventually, this this woman turned on him, uh, sided with Lance Storm, uh, and thankfully, um, the 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 fat chick thriller gimmick kind of died a death. So Mark Awesome could go back to being the one of the best wrestlers in the world, or he could just be a Partridge Family cast off with that seventies uh, guy. So. Uh, My pick for this week's Hall of Lame is the Fat Chick Thriller. The fact that you say that the the lady turned on him and then sided with Lance or that, sorry Lance Storm that completely slipped my mind. I completely forgot about that. But if he would do anything to thrill the the fat ladies, does that then mean if if this lady is willing to leave him and go to Lance Storm, does that then mean that Lance Storm is a better Fat Chick Thriller? <laughs> Is he perhaps? Does he provide perhaps. more thrills? Does he provide more thrills to them? <laughs> maybe she just didn't want to be fat anymore. Oh yeah, that's not, yeah. Okay, maybe. Perhaps that storm's going to, I don't know, take on some sort of fitness regime or something like that. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, uh, what a horrific gimmick for what oh, should terrible. have been what should have been one of the biggest stars of, of the early two thousands, and he wanted to to get it on with chubby chicks bbws and and that's 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 like that was his whole gimmick there was nothing else there wasn't he was a a good wrestler who happened to do this it was like that was his gimmick that was it done and then as you said when he came back as the 70s guy as well it was just like 
his gimmick was that he just was it basically his gimmick was that there was a popular tv show called that that 70s show yeah. and wcw thought oh, okay we'll cash in on that a bit shall we exactly exactly oh yeah absolutely it was ridiculous yeah shockingly bad shockingly bad and um tanner said in the chat as well uh awesome's matches with tanaka in ecw i mean yeah. one also took place in the wwe one night stand pay-per-view when they rebooted mm-hmm. it on the one night uh yeah. go and check those out if anyone wants to have a look at how good mike awesome actually was at one stage those matches are incredible even the match where he dropped the the ecw towel because um uh when he left for for, uh, for wcw actually the ecw heavyweight champion yeah um and ecw was was in that period where it was it was slowly dying its death. A lot of their talent moved on to WCW or onto uh, the WWF. Um, and he actually, uh, Mark Awesome, came back for one show where he faced uh, Taz, who was a That's WWF right. uh, talent. Uh, and their match was absolutely superb on on, on that event uh, to to get the the title off uh, off, off Mark Awesome. Yeah, he he should have been a killer and yeah. definitely not a thriller. <laughs> we well, should have been killing fat chicks. That, that is a, that is a whole killer. different. That's a, yeah. That, that's, that's a, a different totally gimmick. different gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> that's a much more sinister wrestling character. <laughs> Two ends of the spectrum, really. One wants Pretty to make him spoil. One wants to make. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no, very, very worthy of a spot in the Hall of Lane magazine. One hundred percent. Mine is a little bit more straightforward, really. Uh, it's from WCW as well. And it's from a couple of years previous to Mike Awesome's terrible efforts there. And it's somebody that everyone will know very, very well. And it's Paul White, the giant, or the big show, as he was known in WWF. My entrance into the Hall of Fame this week is very much a case of his early gimmick when he first arrived in 95 and was in the Dungeon of Doom and so on. The premise that... The giant was Andre the Giant's son. Now, oh, Jesus. In my mind, it got mentioned once or twice, um, or was used, was used as like a plot line in the background. In my mind, that's how I remembered it. Doing Nitro Nights with Scottish Danny and watching the shows back and watching every Nitro and every, all of it back again and again and again. It's not just, it's not how I remember it. It's not just one or two mentions or one or two little plot lines. It's really literally shoved down your throat that this is the giant. Uh, the giant is Andre the Giant's son. It is really, really pushed down your throat that this is the case to the point where they, they reference it pretty much every damn week. They say your dad would mean Gene even turns around in an interview and says your dad would have been disappointed in you at one stage to Andre to, to, about Andre the Giant to Paul White. And it's just that sort of nonsense over and over and over again that it's just got to a point where Scottish Danny and I on Nitro Nights are just, it's more eye-rollingly bad. It's more, I suppose, cringy than even some of the Hogan stuff we're seeing. And some of the Hogan stuff we're seeing is terrible. But this whole premise that, (laughs) this whole premise that he is Andre the Giant's son, that's my entrance into the Hall of Lame this week. It is bad i mean listen to nitro nights if you don't already to find out how bad it actually is but that's my entrance there the whole the whole premise of it it's it's terrible and it's it, it's a testament to him as a as a person that he recovered 
from from that and became such a, a massive star that's still going going today. So yeah, it's a good pick. Yes, yes. But there we go. Two entrants there, I think, fully lame enough to warrant going into the Hall of Lame. We have mm-hmm. the Fat Chick Thriller. Even the name is icky, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 cringy now. Yeah. It's not good. I mean, it's, it, it's cringier in 2000. Yeah, it was not not good at all. No. And the the sheer audacity of WCW trying to promote Paul White as Andre the Giant's son and regularly referencing the fact that this guy is dead. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. But there we go. There we go, Max. <laughs> two, two solid, solid picks. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Ah, shall we jump across to Twitter and a couple of bits on WhatsApp that I received with regards to our non-wrestling topic this week? Yes, let's do it, sir. Okie doke. We have... Well, what was put forward was just literally a case of your favourite meals uh, and what is potentially your least favourite, something you would never eat again, or even potentially something that you really enjoy that other people don't get or vice versa so basically your favorites and hatred of certain foods and as always with any food topic magsy we had so many responses didn't we <laughs> I, I mean when you pitched this um uh, a couple of days ago or not well yesterday i think um i said food topics always go down well on on chain wrestling it's it's almost should be called chain for eating um Jeez. because <laughs> Because yeah, food topics get get really good numbers. So yeah, we, we got some good picks as well. Yes, indeed, indeed. I will just run through them in the order. Well, I say in the order we received them, and that's what I always try to do. But probably I'm more accurate in saying the order I screenshotted them because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like to keep you guessing, Max. But no, I think we're pretty much in order, mate. I think we're pretty much in order. Well, let's see. Let's see, indeed. We start with our good friend, Dan Griffin, at DanGriffin21 on Twitter. So, no, straight away, not in order at all. Oh, dear, dear, dear. That was literally the first one to respond, mate. He was the first one to respond. Okay. I think, wasn't he? I'm I'm not saying he's not, but we've had... They don't go in order on Twitter, that's all. Oh, okay. Uh... Is that why you're constantly scrolling back and forth, is it? Because I'm not going to lie. When yeah, you to do catch that, him. Yeah, when you do that, I'm bearing on this is, what, episode 45 of us being live? Mm-hmm. So, you know, 45 occasions I've seen you do this. The screen is so small on my laptop, I can't actually read what I'm looking at. On the t- so when you're scrolling back and forth, I just thought you were being all technical and clever. You're actually looking for the ones that we want. <laughs> to, yeah, to try, and, to try and catch them before you finish talking about whoever's um, uh, sent okay. in the pick. Okay, well, I, okay, I apologise then if I mess up the order. I'm just going to go with what I've got here because I'm not technical enough to follow it as, as you do there, mate, I'm afraid. <laughs> right, Dan Griffin, he says, the best meal he's eaten was proper Peking duck at the China Lounge in Beijing. Chefs trained for two years before they're allowed anywhere near anything that goes to the table. It blew him away. It was so good, it ruined duck from Christmas, uh, from Christmas restaurants, from Chinese restaurants. Sorry, in the Christmas UK. Christmas restaurants. Yeah, Christmas Chinese, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, a few everyday favourites are toad in the hole with onion gravy, mac and cheese, lasagna, and beef bulgogi. Is that? Yep, bulgogi. I don't know what that is. What's that? Never heard of it. Okay. Um, I think bulgogi played left back in like the seventies for Milan, didn't he, or something? You know. <laughs> 
when I was a kid, I loved cheese on toast and tomato soup. Dipping the toast in the soup was the best. See, tomato soup, man. Nah, not for me. I, I used to like it. Um, I don't hate it. I just, it's not my go-to soups. I've never liked it. But the thing is, I, you know, they say your taste buds change like every X amount of years, don't they? Okay. Right. Did I say started, that? Yeah. Who says I, that? Me? <laughs> no other people too not just me uh, people in the chat uh, you know the, the cwf am i right in thinking that or is that just something that i've made up in my own head and just accepted it as being real isn't it isn't it your taste buds do is it, uh, for some reason i think it's every seven years your taste buds change are you sure you're not thinking about how long chewing gum takes to uh digest what the fuck would that have to do with my turn i don't <laughs> Because that's seven years. I've never heard it being seven years. I, I've heard that your taste buds can change, or, yeah. or you, but not like on the se- every seven years. I thought it was every seven years. I could have sworn it was. Nah, uh, I mean, you, what happens in Gloucester stays in Gloucester, I suppose. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tomato soup and ketchup and all that sort of stuff, I've always hated but literally in the last couple of weeks, I started I started liking a bit of tomato ketchup on, on my chips and that. But I've hated it my whole life. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is. You are weird. That's that's you, though. I mean, Frank. like I said, tomato soup, it's, it's all right. If, I, if it was there, put in front of me, I'd, I'd eat it. But it's not a go-to. Definitely yeah. not. And definitely not dipping cheese and toasting on it. That's That's... That's a Yorkshire thing, definitely. <laughs> Dipping cheese and toasting soup. A Yorkshire Grammy. thing. Grammy. <laughs> Grammy. Uh, MGB Graham, at MGB Graham on Twitter. He says here, black olives make him feel physically sick. He would die if that was the only food he would eat. Fair enough. I like olives. No. No? I've tried them a few times over the years. Just black or green, absolutely no. Just batting into them is it's horrific. Uh, okay, no, I do like them. I do. I, I nearly busted my tooth on one the other week though because I bought a jar for a pound because it was a big old jar and I thought, well, a quid can't go wrong, can you? But obviously you can if you're buying if you're buying a jar or something for a quid. In hindsight, I look back and I think mm, maybe not. <laughs> was it was it from a pound shop as well? No, it was from the Tesco's by uh, by me. Well, by, by where I get the bus for work. So I thought Tesco's, that's all right, isn't it? But it's, it was a brand I didn't recognise either, but it was a quid. And I thought, well, quid, isn't it? You know? <laughs> but it turns um, out they don't take all the stones out in the middle of them. I only bust my tooth enough. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, yeah. no. I'm not going to buy them again. Or ever. I'll never mm. buy them. Unless they get reduced. Um, <laughs> Scottish. That, that's <laughs> worth a, a dental problem. If you can get them for 70p rather yeah. than a pound. 70p. <laughs> 70p olives. Um, <laughs> at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter, our good friend Scottish Danny here. And he sent some pictures in and he said here, had this pizza and blue cheese garlic bread last year. And it was delightful. Yeah, it does look quite nice, to be fair, if anyone can see that. Obviously, this works wonderfully well on the audio version. But <laughs> yeah, but blue, blue cheese, yep, yeah, absolutely. Put that on a garlic bread all day for me. So, yeah, but blue cheese, that's like the, the mouldy cheese, isn't it? The, the, the ones, the veins in it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. See, I like cheese, but the idea of eating that, is that's a bit, I don't know. Is it because it's mould? Yeah. You know, it's cool. It's not, they don't just leave it to get mouldy like naturally it's, it's it's made like that with with like wire 
Yeah, no, I know it's it's not like it's not it's like, not like they found it at the back of the shelf. And went, oh, this will will sell this for a fortune. It bloody stinks. It's not like when I've had you know, uh, uh, I've took like a couple of days off work and forgot to empty my work bag and my sandwiches have started to grow stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> where I've had to make myself a new lunch or something. No, I understand it's done deliberately, but it's still a bit. It's just a bit icky, isn't it? No. Mm-hmm. It, it adds it adds to the flavour. So I'd eat it, I'd try it, but yeah, you know, I ain't sure, mate. Well, but try it, try it this year. When when it comes to Christmas, get a cheese board with a with a blue cheese, or get a, like a, a Stilton, which will is kind of like the the entry point. Uh, yeah, and uh, see what you think. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I do like different types of cheese. But today I bought a little, you know, the little tiny blocks you can get, like the sample bits, you know. I, I the, sa- <laughs> the samples. Yes, I'll have a full block of that, please. No, 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 no. no. They're like, you know, they're like, you know, Morrison's or whatever, and it's like a quick, yeah, like, like lunch pack, lunch box cheese. Yeah, and you just cut it into bits. You have a couple of slices, see if you like it before you buy the proper thing. I guess. <laughs> no, it's not for that. That is not what. No. It, it's not a sample. It's not like going to your to your hardware store and getting a little tin of paint and testing it on a corner to see if you want the full <laughs> paint. <laughs> It's oh, just okay. a little bit of cheese. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> okay, you so don't I'm go full- to a restaurant and go, oh, I'll just try that one. Yes, I'll have a full bottle. I'll have, I'll have a tickle on that cheese as well, please, mate. <laughs> See if I want the full block. <laughs> well, okay, fine then. So I've had this little bit of cheese I've bought today. Um, <laughs> it's apricot, jalapeno peppers and lime and i'll tell you what mate that is amazing sounds delicious i mean i'm not a huge fan of apricots and cheese but yeah that sounds good yeah it is it is good it is good uh at good bad wrestle on twitter singapore rice noodles are just a hashtag best cop meal as for things i I love that that others do not Uh, he's got spongebob on there Ah, there he is Uh, as for others Things people things I love that others do not. Pineapple on pizza for probably about fifty percent of your listeners. Oh, and marmite, but that's not not at the same time. Uh, peanuts in Coke is another favour of mine. Most yeah, don't get. Graham did a video of him and uh, and yeah, his boys uh, trying peanuts in Coke. Um, I've never tried it, but I can understand it. The saltiness of the peanuts with the sweetness of the Coke, so I can see that working. Singapore rice noodles, I think they're absolutely amazing. I actually introduced a wife to them not long ago, and she thinks they're they're delicious. Pineapple on pizza, it's it doesn't bother me either way. Um, I get it. I wouldn't personally have panel upon pizza but i understand why people do um so uh mama gets fucked with that that's horrific <laughs> taste it tastes like it tastes like devil's arse um but yeah graham's got some decent food takes there for once what was it i mixed mama in with the, sharon in the chat my 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 good wife there the other night when i was shall we say slightly under the influence what was it i mixed marmite in with because that was really nice but i can't remember what it was it might have been pasta marmite in your pasta yeah i think it was pasta well you fucking scruff bag it was nice though i enjoyed it mate marmite's lovely nom 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 were were you half cut when you did it oh i was at least fucking three quarters cut mate (laughs) (laughs) brilliant Brilliant. Uh, 
Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, peanuts in Coke. Oh, I've seen the video they've done. Sharon thinks you're talking about something else. That's a whole different nap. That's a whole <laughs> different nap, Sharon. Uh, my wife in the chat. Why did it sound like you were saying penis in Coke? That's a, yeah. That's not not even. Um, that's not Coca Cola either. Then that's a completely different type of Coke. That's the whole. She also doesn't know what you mixed uh, your your mama in you drunken buffoon. <laughs> you were there, I think. You're in the ring. Yeah, throwing up from the smell of mama <laughs> hanging in the air. Oh, dear. Uh, Dan Griffin uh, continues here. No meals he's encountered that he finds awful, but mushrooms are the absolute fucking devil's dingleberries of food. I will, will always agree with Dan on, on most food takes. Calling mushrooms, though... Yeah, he's, he's, he's wrong for that. He's absolutely wrong. Mushrooms are amazing. Every kind yeah. of mushroom. Yeah, I make good mushrooms, mate, when I do a fry-up. I do good mushrooms. So how do you do them? We just fucking fry them, there. No, do you not have a particular recipe or, or way oh, of no. preparing them? No, I, I just cut them really thick, and then with, you know, with a bit of butter, but fry them quite quick, and they're, they're lush. Otherwise, they go far too greasy, don't they? And then they're like, then if you cut them too thin and they go too greasy, it's it's almost like how I imagine the texture of a slug to be if you're eating a slug. Okay, so is is how I prepared mine for uh, um, a, a full English tiny baby butter mushrooms. Full, right. leave them whole. Put them in a pan with lots and lots of butter because you want that mushroom flavour to, to get into that butter and also you want some of the butter to get into the mushroom. Uh, drain them and then use the mushroom butter in your beans. In your beans? Pour it into your beans. Because you put bean, uh, butter in beans, you've got to. It's just it's the law. Butter in baked beans? Yeah. I've never done that. Try it. Just try it. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Okay. I put butter in pretty much everything else, hence my waistline. Yeah. But it's but like, you know. Mushroomy fucking, butter in beans. Yeah. We'll give that a go, Shar, shall we? Let me know what you think in the chat, Sharon. <laughs> we'll definitely give that a go. Uh, William Kitchen at the Appliance 180 on Twitter. He says, I love to go to as many different food places as possible. So here goes. Best single savory dish he's ever had was a black pudding and mango salad at a wedding reception. Oh, oh okay. That's interesting. quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. Best dessert was a baklava. That I almost read that as balaclava. Then that's something different. <laughs> that, that's when he robbed the gaff. <laughs> that's when he's going. That's when he's going to his peanuts in coke parties. Um, <laughs> best dessert was a baklava that blew my mind. Worst thing ever was a scallop, as sickening as Russo's booking. Now I don't mind scallops. Yeah, interesting um, that he, he doesn't like scallops, but loves black pudding because scallops and black pudding go together like peas and carrots. They are delicious together. Um, and black pudding does work well with sweet stuff. I have uh, a, a, a butcher's that are close by to me. They do a, a pork and black pudding pie, but the top of the, the, the pie crust is actually apple sauce. And then it's like um, baked in the oven, so it goes all that kind of uh, chewy and little crispy bits. And with the black pudding, yeah, it works out, works out beautifully so oh, okay. I'd, I'd have a do at that salad in a breath yeah i, I would totally I, I, I like mango i like black pudding what can go wrong isn't it mm-hmm. exactly same as i like a bit of pasta i like marmite what can go wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh god i bet your ass 
stunk the day after. No, I was okay, mate. I was okay. But I, talk, I'm going to bring up, talk about it in a bit, actually. But red jalapenos, I've mentioned before. You can only get the ones that I reference all the time in Morrison's. So today we went to Morrison's. And literally, because I've not had any for a while, I bought six jars of them to make sure there was enough there. And I had some in a toasty earlier. Oh, my God. I've missed them so much. They are so sweet and they're gorgeous. If I can remember what they're called or if Sharon can send me a picture, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. Because you get these from Morrison's. They are the best jalapenos you can get. They are awesome. Mm-hmm. I like jalapenos. These are good, man. These are good. Uh, Steve-O. Everyone settle in. It's Steve-O's section of the show. At Total Steve-O on Twitter. Also, Steve-O. I mentioned it on Twitter, but I'll mention it again now. Check out Steve-O's solo podcasts. Looking at his his musical journey is how he's worded it. But mm-hmm. it stemmed from a Q&A show he was doing. And I asked, how did he get into uh, hard rock, heavy metal, and, and into the bands he now loves? And he says that kind of, you know, a switch went off in his head. So he's put together a, a story, uh, a, you know, the story of it in a podcast in several different types and plays a bit of music and all that sort of stuff. And it's a fantastic listen. It's a few parts long, but yeah, listen to that. It's it's absolutely bloody brilliant. I mean, and I said as well, Steve-O talking music, it's only him on his own talking mm-hmm. music and then playing a bit of music. How is this guy not working for some rock radio station somewhere? You, if yeah. you hear it, Magsy, you listen to this. Listen to this podcast he's done. You got to think to yourself: Why is he not working for Team Rock or Planet Rock or Midlands Rock or whatever it may well be? It's so good, so good. I'll, but yes, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. And yeah, um, I am not a massive into the the kind of that um, death metal hardcore stuff that he's into, but watching he does reaction videos to, to songs on, on YouTube uh, and he also does Elite FPL which you definitely need to go and check out it's so, so much fun but his reaction to, to like rock songs and, and music videos not my kind of music at all but seeing how passionate he gets in into the, these songs yeah I could just sit there and watch him all day long because just seeing Steve or head banging and, and playing the drums and, and the guitar yeah it's, it's it's cool that yeah he's so into it uh yeah he's, he's a great guy another person who uh who reached out and checked in on me as well so yeah thank you uh, for that Steve well you are absolutely amazing uh it's not just the death metal stuff either magazine if you listen to it because it starts off with what got him into it so it's mm-hmm. it's like living through the new metal years and the music that was played in certain rock clubs that he went to and it's quite varied back and forth as he heads towards getting into new uh, the sort of heavier stuff i guess so yeah it's well worth a listen mate. it's really really good really good very quickly before we get on with steve-o then we can get that that's the i don't know if you can get the picture right there where are we going there we go can we see that so they're called red jalapenos, as as you said. Yeah, but Santa Maria red jalapenos. Now Morrison's is the only place I've seen them. Right, um, you get red jalapenos all over the place. Of course you do. But these ones, for some reason, are just so much sweeter. They are bloody lovely. So I strongly recommend people give them a go because they're awesome, Max. I'll, I'll definitely try them. I, like I said, I'll, I'll love jalapenos. Lovely. If I go to uh, say a subway. Um, I always have jalapenos on whatever sandwich that I get from there, even tuna mayo. Tuna mayo with jalapenos. Uh, okay. That, that is banging. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for sending the picture, Shah. That was that was great of you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Steve-O says, Poppy's Fish and Chip Shop by Camden Market is legit stunning. He always gets three large battered sausages and chips. It's pricey, £17, but honestly, the food is delicious and highly recommend anyone go. 
uh, when he moved to London, he noticed in the three metro newspaper on the bus, that is, for those who are unaware, they gave out McDonald's three vouchers, basically one ninety nine for certain meals. So he'd always get three or four quarter pounders. He was addicted, buying two or three times a week. So between eight to 12 burgers a week. Holy crap. <laughs> Jesus wept. Um, he says the pandemic hit. So he stopped going for about six months, returned, realized just how salty McDonald's was, and just couldn't bring myself to into buying again. However, then discovered their mini triple cheeseburgers. So once again, <laughs> Steve, you got a problem, pal. Um, <laughs> once again, went on this kick of several weeks, two to three times a week, buying three at a time. So right. nine burgers in a go. Yeah, but that's their triple cheeseburger one. So that's what's three yeah, times so nine. Three. Jesus wept. So he's going three times a week. Buying yep. three burgers. That's yep. in a week, 27 burgers. Oh, dear, dear, dear. That's just insane, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> after realising it's destroying my insides. <laughs> yeah, <we're just> <laughs> Only years on. <laughs> yeah. I finally realised why I've got diarrhoea all of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> one day at work, I coughed. <laughs> my, my bowels fell out. <laughs> and my insides were in my socks. <laughs> I was like a costume of a man. <laughs> uh, after realising it's destroying my insides, I stopped. This was around five months ago now. But yes, but now I have an addiction, he says. Hang on, let me see to the next one. Now I have an addiction to KFC mini Jesus wept. <laughs> naughty, naughty. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a slight step up. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not be around the bus. Oh Jesus Christ. <sighs> He's got a slight obsession now to KFC mini fillets. Amazing. Uh, his favourite overall meal is his mum's lamb roast dinner. Can't uh, beat if that. He, if he could, you've had one of his mum's dinners, well, Max. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Steve or Mama Steve or she's called. Yeah, she makes a banging lamb roast. Okay, um, he says if he could afford to, he'd go to Nando's two, maybe three times a week to buy he, their boneless li- platter. Steve or Steve or listen, <laughs> listen. When you find something that you enjoy, you you don't just have to eat that forever. You can have a varied, a, a varied appetite. Oh, wow. wow, wow! If I could afford, I would ditch KFC going five times a week, and I would switch to Nando's. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just reading this, Steve. Let us know, mate. Have you got some form of like an addictive personality? Some people have these issues, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever had an issue with, I don't know, gambling or smoking or anything like that? Because that'd be interesting to find us. I find out as well, you know. But that's insane, man. Twenty was it? Twenty-seven burgers a week. Matt in the chat has said twenty-seven burgers. That's child's play. When he worked at McDonald's, he was eating close to fifty a week. McDonald's is horrific. Let's. I cannot stand the meat from McDonald's. It's so. There's there's no substance to it. It, you don't even have to chew. You could swallow it like a duck, and not not struggle. So I don't get how people like McDonald's. It's just horrible. Three burgers a week. Yeah, that's, how, how are these people still that's here? Grim. Well, Matt, how are you still here? How have you not had a heart attack? I don't get it. 
I mean, going straight way off off on a tangent, <laughs> Andy charms him with V8 Monster Munch every day for six months. Was it just Monster Munch? Like, like roast yeah, beef for breakfast, uh, flaming hot for, for tea, pickled onion as a, as, a, as a midnight snack? Is that the way round you do it, is it? Mm, well, you don't want to start with flaming hot, do you? No, see, for me, flaming hot would be your lunch, because you don't want to have it too late in the day, because then it gets all, you know... So then, you, then you're stuck with with pickled onion for breakfast which That's who right, wants to start the day with the, the tang of pickled onion nah I, I've done that before when I've got up to go to work and there's been a jar of pickled onions in the cupboard I'll have pickled onion before I go work fucking you <laughs> Gloucester people are dossers <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um Steve-O continues by weird coincidence yesterday I met up with a close friend and a few other people weeks back with some other close friends. Uh, they came to London because it's a trip for them. They chose to go to Luxury Cafes. So yesterday they went to an Instagram-style cake cafe. Not his scene, but the carrot cake was delicious. His only issue with these places is he's paying a fortune, and he put in brackets here, £8.50, for a tiny little slice. If it were double the size, it'd be worth the money. It's like a few weeks back, my mates took us to a posh cafe near Leicester Square, their all-day breakfast was £13. Sounds cheap. Problem is, portion size Does was it? tiny. Does £13 no, sound cheap for me. an all-day breakfast? Yeah, but this yeah, is not, London, not my magazine. It. This is London. Yeah, yeah, that um, is true. Problem is, portion size was tiny. The one sausage smaller than my thumb. A tiny cup of beans, tiny pieces of bacon. Honestly, wish I'd gone to Weatherspoons. See, what you want to do there, Steve-O, is, right, if one of them isn't enough, if you have three or four, like you do with your burgers, you're probably going to be balanced out okay, mate. <laughs> yeah, but three or four of them would cost him nearly 60 quid. Yeah, like a week's rent or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can eat Chinese, Steve-O continues. I literally just eat chicken balls and chai mein, followed by cheesecake and jelly beans. Is that Chinese? Do you get cheesecake at Chinese? I mean, at buffet restaurant Chinese, yeah. I've never had jelly beans. They've never offered jelly beans before, but yeah, you get cheesecakes, oh. like usually little potted cheesecakes, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and yes, Dan and Rob, I always do eat, do the Homer or you can eat seafood joke. <laughs> <laughs> Food Steve-O loves and others hate. People at work have a serious issue with me eating peanut butter with yogurt. And oh, I used not wrong to- with that. That sounds delicious. And I used to have bags of microwave broccoli. Yes, it smelt. He's put Dirty here. bastard. <laughs> but they couldn't care less about that. They just couldn't understand why I was eating it. Drove me insane being asked every day. I, used to, I don't mind a bit of broccoli, mate. No, no, no. No? Charlie went for a spell when she was little of absolutely loving. They used to get for like literally a quid or a quid 50. You get a big old bag of this uh, broccoli cauliflower with a cheese sauce, frozen from Iceland, right? Okay, yeah. And you'd, I'd literally just tip the bag into a, a plastic bowl, microwave it, and it just turned into cheesy broccoli stuff. And she'd sit there and just eat the whole fucking bag. And it said on there, meant for like four people or something like that. But and this little girl, demolish she, would, she would smash through it, mate. She would not care. You know, it was, it was awesome. To the point where if Sharon went out for the day, I'd give her that in the morning. She wouldn't need to eat till Sharon got home. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean, great parenting. Yeah. I love I love it. <laughs> and at least it's vegetables, so Sharon can't go yeah. mad because yeah. yeah, I've met her have vegetables, Sharon. Yeah, so and win cheese. win. Bit of, bit of protein and cheese. 
I mean, I don't think cheese is particularly healthy for kids, but I get I get your your mindset. Yeah, two different types of veg sorted. What a great dad, uh, Matt Willis on WhatsApp here. What we got there in the chat there? Broccoli is the deadliest <laughs> vegetable in the world. It tries to warn you with its terrible taste. Dan Griffin Correct. said, <laughs> "It's you horrible. don't like you don't like broccoli, then, Max." No, I mean, I, there's quite a lot of stuff that I don't like, but we'll get to that. Uh, okay. Okie doke. Uh, Matt Willis on WhatsApp says here, what is your number one meal? After much consideration, it has to be slow-cooked lamb with duck fat cooked roast potatoes, Yorkshire puddings, cabbage, garlic roasted green beans, and butter pan roasted baby carrots, followed by custard cream cheesecake. That was what we had for our Easter Monday meal. Okie doke. Uh, what would you never eat again and why? And he responds, sushi. I had sushi when I was at Epcot and tried it for the first time. It was partly tuna and partly salmon. The tuna was passable. The salmon, however, made me projective vomit. Chris has, <laughs> Chris has footage of me trying the tuna end, but he stopped filming before the salmon end. We'll never try again. Okie doke. What do you love that others hate or vice versa? And Matt responds, a lot of people criticize me for eating Marmite mash with ravioli. I'm aware it's a ton of carbs, but I lost a ton of weight that way before. Also, the new McPlant burger is actually very nice and really surprised him. Okay. Marmite mash, we've co- we had a conversation about on this show before, and I would, I would love that Marmite mash. That sounds great. No. no. Only two things should go in mash, cheese or mustard, or both. Or a bit of onion sometimes is nice. Uh, no. Absolutely. Really? You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't Oh, you don't like onion, though, do you? Okay. We'll, oh, get, fair we'll get to it. We'll get right. to it. All right. All right. Okay. Um, Sharon in the chat there saying, this just in, Branston's caramelised onion chutney is disgusting. Oh, yeah. okay. I dare say it is. The only, Branston, the only Branston's I like is the smooth one. Right. See, Bran- Sharon loves caramelised onion chutney, and we went shopping today, and I, we grabbed the Branston's one for her to try. Obviously, that one is not pleasant. So, yeah. Sorry, Sha. I'll have to pick you up some more tomorrow or something, I guess. But uh, Just switch it for red jalapenos for today, Sharon. Sha won't eat jalapenos. Oh. No, she'll like them. You're knackered then. But basically, fuck you. Dry corned beef. (laughs) Dry corned beef. Onion and corned beef in mash. There we go. That's, yeah. Onion and corned beef. Is that... Was she on about going in mash? Corned beef in mash? Yeah. Corn. That's, wow, you, yeah. you, you Gloucesteronians are a different breed. Gloucesterodians. <laughs> I don't Gloucester even know. Gloucesterats. Is that the? I don't know. Is, is there a term for people from Gloucester? There must be. Yeah, they'll have to be. Yeah, we'll have to find out what that is. Um, back on Twitter, we have Cam Griffin at Cam Griff ninety two. He says the number one meal falafel wraps from any mediterranean cafe down safe most amazing dessert he's ever had was on honeymoon in chania is that right um, um, is it chania or china maybe china no it's c-h-a-n-i-a chania I, isn't it I, I, I know i can see it but oh, okay. maybe misspelling maybe a, a real place okay well yeah it's going to be a real place he's saying he's been there he's not I've got, I've got no reason to believe that would lie to us. <laughs> um, anyway, wherever he went, uh, he said it was peanut butter and passion fruit, mille foies, and Milfoy. was sublime. Mille foies. 
Milfoy. So what's what's Milfoy? That sounds so like mil- yogurt. Milfoy is is kind of like puff pastry slices, uh, and then it's uh, it's essentially stacked on each other with usually with fruit and cream. Obviously, that one is with uh, with peanut butter and, and passion fruit. But yeah. Oh, mm. Chinia is in Greece. Um, ah, Dan Griffin in the chat there. Ah, there you go. Let's see. Uh, and there's Cameron himself. Yeah, there we go. So I, I knew it was Chinia. I, know, I, I don't know why I doubted you. Well, I think my track record is probably why you doubted me. But <laughs> uh, never again, Cam says, coriander. It's just green soap and ruins everything it touches. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I actually didn't know about this uh, coriander tasting like soap until uh, Paul Tolley mentioned it on an episode of, uh, of Badlands. But there's a there's a certain percentage of, of people who uh, their taste buds will make coriander taste like soap. Uh, for me, coriander is, is delicious, really nice and peppery. Uh, but yeah, I, I was not aware that it made that people thought it tastes like soap. Mm. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris one on Twitter. Tuna, mushrooms, and olives are rank either on their own or together. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, one out of three olives are, are pretty grim, but tuna and mushroom, not wrong with them. I like tuna. I like mushrooms. I like olives. Would you have them all together? Um, have I had tuna and mushroom on a pizza? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think they they go together well. No. Uh, okay. But separately. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Chris Bellis at Real Chris Bellis on Twitter. Best meal: chicken tinga, homemade. Love me some Mexican. He says here. Uh, never eat again. Homemade sausage meat pie. I made for the family. Coincided with a DNV. That's diarrhea and vomiting. Yeah, a diarrhea and vomiting outbreak. <laughs> But I was like, DMV? What's he on about there? Isn't that like, <laughs> isn't that something to do with driving the DMV? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It coincided with his driving test. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> he felt a bit, a bit uh, bloated before he had to do his test. Couldn't get the seatbelt yeah. over. That's it. Failed him instantly. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Bennett says uh, he made a sausage meat pie at home, coincided with a diarrhea and vomiting outbreak that he got that night. It wasn't the pie, but I still can't look at sausage meat without gipping. <laughs> okay, no. yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with sausage meat. Who don't like a little bit of sausage every now and again? Oh, you can be as rude as you like with me. There you go, mate. There you go. That's what on a Saturday, look, Sharon will go see her. Sharon will take live football training if she hasn't, you know, busted her knee up, but obviously she has. And then she'll pop to her mum's. So Saturday morning, afternoon, I've got a few hours to myself and I cook some sausages there, but I always make extra for the dog. So then me and the dog literally sit there watching wrestling, eating sausages together. Just, just a plate of sausages to share. Yeah, literally. Just me and the dog eating sausages. Just nothing else. Just not, not on a sandwich, not with like bacon and egg, just a, just a bag of sausages tipped into the, in, in, onto the grill. Oh, we're eating good today. Yeah. And the dog's like, the dog's looking at me like, yeah, this is my best life right now. <laughs> the dog yeah, the dog is loving it. Yeah. Saturdays is his favourite day of the week. It is. I'm going to watch some really old wrestling and eat a sausage. <laughs> uh, Chris Bellis continues his weird food love, jalapenos, on their own, in a bowl, just to snack on. Uh, he's been called a paedophile over it, apparently. <laughs> 
I, I mean, it. There's a lot of things that you could be called a paedophile over. Usually, if you fiddling with kids, <laughs> is, is there is there a lot of things? Is there, Max? <laughs> I, I think I mean, it's more. I think it's more specific. Uh, very specific. <laughs> yeah. I think there are certain boxes you have to tick to be called that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if eating jalapenos on their own is one of those. I mean, maybe it's um, a marker, like you know, like when you get uh, kids who who like uh, kill insects, they can go on to be like start hurting animals and then uh, being um, murderers and stuff like that. Maybe eating jalapenos. Uh, from a bowl leads to paedophilia. <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. Um, <laughs> you're effectively saying somebody that one of our, one of our listeners and a fellow podcaster and somebody that we've got a lot of respect for. You're not siding with them. You're siding with a random person that called them a nonce. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I am just playing devil's advocate here. That maybe they recognise some symptoms or, or markers of paedophilia in watching Chris eat a, a jalapeno from a bowl. Oh, my God. I've not seen that. Uh, I've not seen that episode of Law and Order, mate, to know if that's an actual reference or not, you know? See, Andy's backing me up here. Did you not see that bit in the Jimmy Savile documentary? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so he just sat there munching a load of peppers. And Dan wins the internet with jalapeno. Jalapeno. <laughs> oh man uh andy at bang bang podcast he stepped in on the show uh was it last week i believe and we had a great <laughs> time there um <laughs> this is a uh, via dm messenger uh mag so yeah, you'll find be. it on there mate. cheers for that yeah sorry but i should have said that before um he says rhubarb makes him vomit yeah, <laughs> good Good, Liver, good. <laughs> I'm glad some it makes you sick. Um, no, it means it's horrific, which I agree. Rhubarb is absolutely horrific. Uh, uh, yeah, rhubarb makes him vomit. Liver and other internal organs are a no-no. Favorite Liver, food? yeah. Kidneys, I like kidneys. Uh, see, no, it just sounds, again, it just sounds grim, doesn't it? I mean, chicken liver is nice, but like pig or lamb's liver, nah. Mm. So when if you literally go to a shop and buy liver, what animal is that from then? It's usually lamb, like okay. sheep liver. No, that's not for me, mate. That's not for me. No, uh, I'm not a liver fan. Favourite food? Probably a roast dinner. But let's not go down that rabbit hole or the show will run for four hours. <laughs> um, and this story is fantastic. Andy says, he's a big fan of seafood and having travelled around Asia and Africa a lot, has got me into some scrapes. I was doubled over in pain after some lovely king prawns in Bangkok. The guy running the hostel I was staying in told me an interesting fact about the restaurant I'd eaten at. He says, they get their prawns from over there, he said, pointing at a river where a bloke was emptying his arsehole into the water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he wow. says, this, this was about three o'clock in the morning and basically somebody was uh, shitting into the river and that's where they get the prawns from. They're giving it a jiffy tummy. <laughs> that's, that's grim. Oh, that is oh, fantastic. Wow. That is, that is glorious. Oh, that's all we got, Magsy. That's all we've got from uh, our good friends in the CWF this week. Thank you so, so much, as always, to everybody who has taken the time to retweet, message in, Give us your food takes, what you love, what you dislike, and so on. We've had I've had a blast there laughing at some of those. That's that's awesome stuff. 
Uh, <laughs> Magsy, what about yourself, mate? You say there's a long list of stuff that you won't eat. Um, yeah, uh, well, uh, long is subjective, um, but the, I, I don't like eating onions. I like the taste uh, of onion. It's the texture um, of, of onion. So if I put onion in something, it'll either be blended or grated, um, just so it kind of like disappears into the food. Uh, garden peas. So, so raw onion or cooked onion? Because that's a different texture altogether, isn't it? Both. I don't like either. Oh, okay. The crunch of an onion or the slam of a cooked onion. Yeah, I don't like either texture. Okay, fair enough. Um, garden peas. Hulk's little shriveled up bollocks. Nope, they're <laughs> disgusting. Processed peas all the way for me. Um oh, mate. Yep. Um bananas. Eating actual bananas is horrific. I'll, but I like the again, I like the taste of a banana, but eating uh, a banana, nope. Same with oranges, can't bite into an orange, but we'll happily drink orange juice. Um so things like that, yeah, and it, it just the, I can't bring myself to eat them, but stuff that we are uh, that I do like that that people call me weird for is kale. Uh, I get a lot of grief uh, for lacking kale, um, sweet potato, squash. Uh, yeah, my family think I am the devil incarnate when I start cooking stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, that's the the list of stuff that I, I don't particularly like. What about yourself? What don't like? <laughs> Well, I, I suppose I'm coming to the end of my seven-year cycle, mate, because it, it's changing. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a thing. It bloody is a thing. When I was a kid, I used to hate mashed potato. I used to hate, uh, like, sel- semolina pudding. Um, That's still horrible. Tapi- yeah, I still don't like that. Tapioca pudding as well. All that sort of stuff. That sort of texture, you know? I hated all of that. Now, I bloody love a bit of mash if it's got, like, you know, onion in or whatever. Oh, my um, or Marmite, yeah. Well, no, I've not tried that, actually. I've not tried that, but it sounds amazing. Uh, and the same with tomato stuff. I mean, I'm still not still not about tomato soup. That's gross. But as I mentioned earlier, ketchup, I, I hated that. Always hated ketchup. But I've started to have a little bit of it now, you know, and, and don't mind it so much. So when it comes to things I don't like, there's not much, I suppose, that I wouldn't wouldn't have, I guess. Okay. That's, I mean, good. A, a nice varied diet, then. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> what about stuff you do like? What's your favourites, Magsy? Yeah, so um, carrots. Absolutely adore carrots. Um, I could put them in almost every meal. It's obviously not with the, the, the cornflakes. Um, no. Um, <laughs> um, I like... I'm a as someone who likes cooking uh, a lot, so we've just bought a rotisserie oven to cook... Uh, chickens in uh, because chicken is absolutely glorious uh, so currently we are going mad on rotisserie chicken so i think that's my favorite okay. right now um because it, you can cook the chicken and cook the vegetables underneath it as well so it's like a, a all-in-one kind of thing it's amazing absolutely amazing so yeah kind of like a, a th- um a couple of people have mentioned the roast dinner yeah you can't go wrong with a yeah. with a good roast dinner um lamb pork not so much beef um i've kind of gone off that because the wife is so obsessed with it that we have it quite a lot but lamb pork chicken turkey anything like that a big plate of uh 
of meat and veg. Mm, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I, I bloody love a roast dinner, but it's chicken for me, mate. Chicken's my mm. favourite. Uh, Looking to get yourself a rotisserie oven, it's it's a game changer. Mate, I, I ain't got room for the stuff in the house now. It's so small, my You house. don't it's need a TV. Tonight. Get rid of the TV. Get rid of the TV. Just watch, <laughs> just watch the chicken going around and around. Yeah, brilliant entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chicken madras, mate, with lemon mm. rice. That's banging. That's yeah, one of my favourite um, meals. I love that. Hotaker is for, for me. Um, madras is a little bit on the the the, the pussy side for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too creamy. I'm not a massive fan of like creamy uh, curries. I like them to be more um, like tomato based, I suppose. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't mind them a bit hotter, you know, but I wouldn't go like three or four up from that. That's too hot for me. I'd go maybe okay. one or two. Like fall. Yeah, that'd be too much for fall. me. I think. No, that'd be, I've had one and it was a bit much for me. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, What's below I'm, that? Is, is it the Vindaloo below that? Yeah, there's like. Um, uh, Rogan Josh is quite a spicy one. Jail Fraser is quite a spicy one. Uh, then you're looking at Vindaloo, then Fall, then Ghost Chili. Uh, Buna, that's uh, is that the rice based one where it's like, um, is that the, I think it is rice no, and peas, isn't it? Uh, I know Sharon has Buna all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Madras, well, the place where we get it from, the Madras is hotter than, say, the Buna, okay. and hotter than. Basically, it would go Madras, and the next one up would be the Vindaloo yeah. from this place. That, I think that's the, 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 the pathway most like takeaways do it, but there's uh, a few others, like hot ones. Uh, du- I think there's Duparzio is a quite a spicy one. Okay. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, and obviously, you can't beat a toasted sandwich, mate, can you? Yeah. I mean, we went years without a, to- a toasting machine. Absolute yeah. years, and then we got one a few months ago, uh, and it's it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, cheese, uh, red jalapenos, the ones I just showed you, and honey roasted ham, banging, absolutely banging. Uh, Sharon in the chat says that I love my wife's mash. I do indeed. When Sharon does mash, it is gorgeous. It is very very nice, very mm-hmm. nice indeed. And she also um, says roasted is the best Yorkshire pudding yes. every time. Yeah, Cameron uh, Griffin afterwards. Yeah, that one there. Anyone else have golden syrup with leftover Yorkshire puddings? I've not heard of that before. I mean, to be fair, Yorkshire puddings, uh, the mix is essentially a pancake mix. Mm. So, I mean, it it could work. And Cameron, yeah, cheers, cheers for, for that. Uh, biryani is the rice-based one that I was thinking of. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Mayo on the outside of your toasties, sir. What, when you put it in the machine instead of butter, you mean? Or after you've made it and then you put mayo on there. Sorry, which way around with that? I mean, either way, no. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's irrelevant which, which answer. But, but I'm curious because if it's mayo instead of the butter, then that does intrigue me because Charlie has a thing at the moment about super noodle sandwiches. But when she makes it, because that's something she can make herself and she has, she's got this independence thing with it, hasn't she? So she'll go off and do that. But she'll have mayo instead of butter in her sandwich with super noodles. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. No, it's that. It's, that's wrong. Is it? She should be punished uh, for that. 
<laughs> curry noodles normally as well. So curry noodles with with mayo. With yeah. mayo. Oh, but yeah. That's so, she lives. She lives a student life, mate. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> uh, a tip for you for your uh, toasties. Okay. Sprinkle a little bit of sugar onto the buttered side of the bread before you toast them. Okay. It gives you a little hint of sweetness, but makes the the bread really, really crispy. Ooh, I'm going to try that tomorrow. But I have my standard toasty of the day. because I have <laughs> your, your daily toasty. Yeah, I, mate, honestly. Sharon, I mean, <laughs> Sharon, where's my daily toasty? <laughs> mate, honestly, Sharon will say this in the chat. And I can't believe I'm actually going to say it out loud now. But when I get in from work, I've got like an hour and a half window before the kids come home. So in that time, I will have a toasted sandwich and watch a bit of telly and just chill out, right? Uh, but I've got a special plate for my toasters because it's a square plate, so I can fit to- two toasters alongside each other. And I've, I've even got a little toasty song that I sing when I'm making it in the kitchen because I'm so happy to be sitting down with my toasty. <laughs> so you you know you're going to have to sing as the toasty song. No, nope, I'm not going to do it, mate. I'm not going to do it. That's oh, going to turn that... into another Aerosmith story. Maybe I'll bang that one out on our 100th episode. There we go. How's that? So in, <laughs> in the chat, the, the Yorkshire pudding... Uh, talk has gone um, a little bit xenophobic. Uh, Sharon, I've not had uh, I had it meaning like uh, Yorkshire pudding with uh, with uh, what was it jam or, or golden syrup. Yeah. Um, but she's heard of Northerners uh, having it with custard. <laughs> kind of a bit, a little bit racist there, uh, Sharon. But we'll let it slip. And then she had to just make sure Yorkshire pudding. I mean, like not just having it like with custard like as a kink i suppose <laughs> as a kink <laughs> and cameron saying my indulge in next time i do a roast that's grim custard on a roast how dare you no i don't think they mean on the roast <laughs> well, they mean with dan griffin over. seems to seems to think so because you best not put the custard on the plate with the gravy surely that's not the case surely it's not they're not talking putting custard on their roast dinner. Surely that's putting custard on their leftover roast pudding like the next day or something. We'll, we'll, we, shall, we shall see. Cameron, let us know. No way. You can't, that's nasty. Um, <laughs> uh, Magsy, that's it. Oh, I suppose, mate, that's it. Shall we, uh, shall we talk for, for the first time in many weeks, mate? Shall, shall you and I talk a bit of wrestling? We shall. So let's do it. Uh, let's get ready to... Okie doke. The selection that won this week's poll was a tag team title match from the 21st of May 2001 episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Quite a famous match because of a very serious injury that happened in it. Mm -hmm. But the reason this was, well, the reason I put this forward on the poll was that on uh, Facebook, Twitter and other stuff, sometimes you get um like suggested for you don't you because all your devices are listening to you so you know yeah. it's all a bit weird isn't it but something popped up saying the greatest matches in monday night raw history and it was like a countdown article one of those jobbies you know so i clicked on it and scanned through and this was incredibly high on the list as being one of the mm-hmm. greatest matches in monday night raw history but the caption was it never gets spoken about you're not allowed to talk about it because of chris benoit and obviously what happened at the end of Benoit's life, that yeah. horrific situation. We're not going to go into it again. We've covered it before when Benoit's been a topic on the show. We're going to look at Benoit, the wrestler. I can I can separate that from what happened at the end of his life. So that's mm-hmm. just literally what I'm going to focus on. Um, 
So I thought, okay, let's put this forward and, and see if it is as good as this person who wrote the article says it is. Uh, so, I mean, I can safely say, Magazine, this is the very, very first time I've seen this match since it aired. So, I mean, what about yeah. yourself? Is this one that you've gone for whatever reason, research purposes or anything like that? Is it, is it popped up to you before? Yeah, I've, I've watched it um, over the years a, few, a handful of times. Uh, um, I think we've uh, I've done a podcast about injuries uh, and obviously uh, there's a, a, a major injury in, in this match. Uh, mm. And also we've been a, a huge Stone Cold fan. Um, I've, I've gone back and watched a lot of his stuff. So yeah, um, I have watched it a, a handful of times. Um, this is the first time in a long while that I've, I've watched it. But yeah, um, I can see why it got gets the, the plaudits that, that it does and and I totally agree. I think it should be spoken more about as uh, as a really good match, but we'll we'll certainly get into that near the end. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, the match we're, we're discussing here is obviously Triple H and Steve Austin, the the two man power trip, as they were were referenced, uh, mm-hmm. defending their WWF Tag Team Championships against Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit in San Jose, California, on the twenty first of May, two thousand and one, uh, and it's the day after the two thousand and one Judgment Day pay per view, mm-hmm. where Triple H lost his Intercontinental Championship, but both Triple H and Austin had. Uh, effectively huge um, stipulation-filled matches, huge, huge gimmick yeah. matches that I, took a I lot think, out of them. Um, Triple H had a, a chain match against Kane. Uh, yes. And, and Stone Cold was goaded into, a, an, I think it was a no-disqualification match against The Undertaker. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And Triple H and Vince, I think, helped Austin retain the championship and, and all that sort of and, and, shenanigans. And, and Austin effectively cost Triple H his Intercontinental Champion with uh, mm. with his interference. So yeah. um, this kind of a two-man power trip, whilst it was a very uh, young tag team together, there was you was already seeing kind of like the, the fractions between the two. Yeah, and, and that's something else as well I was, I was kind of interested in bringing up to people in the chat and yourself, Mags, because I've got a note here basically saying this time in, in 2001, this kind of, uh, it's, it's not quite early 2001, but it's not the middle of the year, that sort of, you know, quarter of the way through or whatever it may well be. It's it's a period in wrestling that's a bit of a funny one for me because I really remember the invasion angle and all that and so on. And I really remember the build up to WrestleMania 17. But from WrestleMania 17 to the invasion angle proper kicking off and getting going, it's almost like I totally forgot anything that happened. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, the same as you know, discussions that you, you've had yourself on a change in attitude about Steve Austin when the 316 starting and all that, and it's not as instant as you think. In my mind, WrestleMania 17 happened, and then it was the invasion. Mm-hmm. So this bit here with Austin as as because he turns heel at 17, obviously. Austin siding with Triple H and McMahon winning the tag titles and, and, and all of this. I've not got no real memory of at all. Is that the same for yourself or is it something that really sort of stands out to you when you look back or? Yeah, I think um, because it's two huge stars in, in uh, Austin and, Tri- and Triple H for me, it, it, uh, it stands out, but I do see your point. Um, historically, when it comes to WrestleMania, there's always seems to be a lull 
between the end of WrestleMania and it's almost kind of like a reset and refresh until we build to, say, SummerSlam or, mm-hmm. or King of the Ring. Um, there's always kind of like a, a, a post-mania lull. Um, so I think that's why a lot of... Uh, um, uh, storylines post menu kind of uh, are forgotten about um, but this one I, I think it's one of those stories where you you always can think what could have happened had mm. the injury not happened how much of an effect this could have had on on wrestling not just throughout uh, the, the rest of the year but going further on uh, um, on in, in, into time because Triple H was was one of the biggest stars uh, at the time. Austin was 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 massive. Um, if this uh, if this kind of like team had stuck together for a little bit longer, and then we get the inevitable breakup, what effect would that have had on on kind of like the pathway of, of wrestling throughout um, throughout the the rest of the year? Would we have got the invasion at the time we got it? Uh, was that moved up? Because this storyline had to come to an abrupt end with Triple H's uh, injury, you have to remember this injury kept Triple H out of the invasion all the way through. He wasn't back yeah. till uh, I think it was January two thousand two. That's right. Um, so would Triple H have played a big part in that invasion? What kind of um, moving pieces on the chessboard? Uh, would would have been different if Triple H could have been involved, or if this storyline would have uh, would have would have would have grown. Yeah, it, it, this could have been um, a big change in in how uh, the invasion went, uh, or even if the invasion happened at all. Um, yeah, yeah. It, um, it's one of those big what if moments. I mean, to me, I think the invasion always. We never know. We'll, we'll never be able to say for certain. But in my mind, I, I kind of think the invasion always would happen in some form. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, from the from reading uh, um, kind of like the reports, um, I think it was moved up on the schedule. I think it was uh, it was probably looking at being um, maybe a WrestleMania 18 thing uh, where. Um, it, the, the the WCW um, invasion happens a year after uh, Shane had bought the company, um, kind of like a slow burn story. But obviously, when when one of your biggest stars uh, gets injured and your your main story of them splitting and and fighting for the title, you have to start uh, um, shuffling the the pack, I suppose. And and the invasion story was was a kind of a go to uh, story that was 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 ready made to, to fit in that space but it would have been mm. interesting to see what would have happened uh, had Triple H not got injured uh, what kind of role he would have played in it what kind of uh, storyline him and Austin would have been able to, to thrash out um, yeah that would have uh, that would have been fun to watch yeah and I suppose the big question there is if they split inevitably one of them has to turn face one of them has to be the good guy mm-hmm. you've just turned Austin heel Literally, the last month or two, you've, Austin has made his big heel turn and sided with McMahon. Yep. So I would probably think that you would end up with a Triple H good guy yes, run too. here. Yeah. So effectively, in 2001, before the invasion angle came in, you would have had... Uh, bear in mind, 2001, you're still talking, even though WrestleMania 17 is kind of when the Attitude Era ended, a lot of people tag on. But it does, you know, you saw a lot of those similar vibes running in throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You would kind of have a heel Austin feuding with a babyface Triple H over the world title 
in that Attitude Era-esque time of 2001. That's yeah. that, that's mind-blowing to me. And 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 if they did do the Invasion storyline um, uh, when it happened, who would miss out um, to fit Triple H in that? Because you would mm. think that Triple H would be at least a part of, of one of the teams. He was one of the biggest stars at, at the time. Um, what role would have he had to play? Who would have missed out? I, I mean, you could you could make a case that Jericho would have missed out, that he wouldn't have been involved. But then that, that starts another ball rolling. Would he have then been become champion later that year? Um, you, yeah, it's you mad, never isn't know. It? And where yeah. would Triple H have gone? Because obviously he's here at this time. He's siding with Vince. But then if he turned babyface, and then obviously then the WWF effectively was the babyface side, would he then yep. go back and side with Vince? Or would he then go and side with his wife, turning heel again? And then that automatically would turn Austin back. There's so many sort of ripples, isn't there, to this, the, the <laughs> whole butterfly effect. If this injury did not happen so much in the next year or two, it everything just changes. Everything changes. Yeah, absolutely. It, like you said, it's a butterfly effect. That that one uh, little difference uh, could have had so much of a, a massive effect. Um, but let's uh, let's get into the match, though, because... Yes. Um, like, like you said at the beginning, this match has uh, has been called one of the greatest matches in 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 Raw history. Um, four of the biggest stars at the time, two mm-hmm. that were certainly a uh, uh, huge megastars, and two that were were coming up to to kind of uh, be at that level. Uh, a very stark contrast to to current day WWE for me, where um, it was clear the, the the company was looking to build Jericho, were looking to build Chris Benoit. You don't tend to see that now and I think that no. may be a, an issue with current WWE compared to, to this era where the, it was so top heavy with stars whereas now yeah. it's it's very much um, a, a select handful and then a massive mid card yeah totally and there's a few more differences that I noticed I, I basically scanned through the whole episode of Raw there's a couple of points I want to touch I on did. really quick yep. uh, that I suppose show how different this era is in comparison to what we now see on Monday Night Raw. Uh, first of all, in the opening segment, <laughs> we have Chris Jericho effectively calling Steve Austin a slut. That was awesome. That was brilliant. Uh, Austin then, without the microphone to his face, can quite clearly be seen mouthing the words. And potentially, if you turn the TV up really loud, you can hear him motherfucker Jericho back. Uh, there's a scene with Terry and the APA where she decides to go to their office and distract them by... She's wearing a quite small, revealing white top, and she empties a can of beer over herself, uh, which was an interesting way of, I suppose, distracting her team's opponents for the evening. Yeah, quite quite a different time, Magsy, wasn't it? Quite a different time. Yeah, it, this was definitely... Uh, there was aiming for a different demographic than they are yeah. right now. This was the uh, the eighteen to thirty five strictly male uh, demographic that they were they were going for. Not not the kind of like uh, adolescent teenage uh, young kid graf- uh, demographic that they're going for today. It was very um, uh, rude, hypersexualized, uh, foul language. Yeah, it was everything that made me a massive wrestling fan. In, no, in I, I loved it. The nineties and two thousands. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, uh, Austin, and I, I imagine this this probably boiled your piss a little bit, Magsy. Uh, Austin and Triple H as champions are out first, which mm-hmm. is something you've previously thrown into the Hall of Lame, isn't it? Champions, you come yes. out first. Yes. Uh, something you notice as well for me throughout this show and the match. Obviously, Austin is your WWF champion, and these guys here are your tag champions. Those belts look bloody fantastic, don't they? Yeah, the the, the tag belts uh, are probably my favourite. Yeah, uh, belts, be- favourite tag team belts. Um, yeah. The the Big Eagle. Um, it's it's not my my main favourite uh, world title, but it's certainly up there. Um, uh, probably number two or maybe number three. Um, obviously, the Winged Eagle is is. The, the bollocks for, for me I think that's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing but yeah the, these belts are glorious absolutely glorious yeah they look fantastic uh, Triple H comes out with Stephanie McMahon I mean she looks fantastic here as well don't she how great mm-hmm. did Steph look at this time she's gorgeous yeah. she's stunning she is um, doesn't play that much of a part in it as well no. uh, to be fair which uh, which is a shock for, for Steph uh, matches with Steph involved but yeah it's um yeah, the 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 kind of like uh, crimped hair, Steph. Um, yeah, mm. sad sad to see, definitely. Yeah, yeah, almost a bit awkward sometimes in front of the camera, which is funny considering it wasn't that much longer. She was head of ECW in the Invasion, <laughs> and then was general manager of SmackDown, and looked a lot more comfortable in front of the camera. Here, she still seems a little bit awkward at times. Yeah, I think this is kind of like the transition between uh, the kind of young, fresh-faced Stephanie and then the the kind of hard-faced bitch Stephanie that, that we, we we see um, moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, I, I understand that kind of like that, that awkward transition phase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get Benoit out next to his... It's, it sounds quite dated to me, Benoit's entrance theme here. Because it's not the updated version of the song with, that with was the done. Lyrics. Yeah, it was done by is it Our Lady Peace. I think was the band. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always, whenever I think about Benoit and and obviously what happened, I always feel really sorry for Our Lady Peace as well because that was their biggest record, and now mm-hmm. it's almost like you can't cursed. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, people who listen to the audio version are aware that we we cut bits of music in here and there, and, and a few bits and bobs and whatnot. The amount of times we've done a Benoit match or referenced Benoit, and I've wanted to play that record, but at the last minute, effectively bottled it and thought, no, I can't. I can't have that as the intro to our show. I can't have that playing in the middle of our episode, just because of what happened with Benoit. And that's just me on a podcast. I can't imagine what it must be like for that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be a poison chalice, like you said, their biggest yeah. hit, but one that if they, they, they play... Um, it's it's always going to bring back memories and, and uh, Scottish Danny mentions in the chat that they actually retired the song in, in 2012 which that must be heartbreaking for him because yeah. like I said it's a, a massive hit but the the, the 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 lingering memories linked to that song yeah you, you just would never never be able to forget it Nah, nah, that's it. I was thinking, toying with the idea then as I was talking of playing it maybe at the end of the show, but now we've had that conversation, probably not. I think I think we all retire that record as well. Um. <laughs> one, one thing I did notice, though, is uh, 
Austin and Triple H got really elongated uh, entrances. Benoit was incredibly short. I mean, mm-hmm. he was literally got to walk the, the, the aisle before his music was cut off and we're going straight into the, 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 the Jericho countdown. Yeah. And I love that as well. Music and the Tron and all that. It's always changed a bit year from year, but that original one yeah. with the footage of the street and all that, I, that is that is cool. That's that's just classic, just great Jericho, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It will always be my favourite uh, debut on Rope. watch the countdown to the millennium vignettes that they aired for for weeks and weeks yeah. and then it came to to that one and it, it the countdown ended halfway through the show and then jericho shows up oh yeah yeah it's fantastic stuff. brilliant yeah uh, and the, int- the, the intros the way they're done here i suppose okay we don't like champions like first but the way it's done one by one and jim ross and i'm going to mention jim ross a lot here as we go through this match the way Jim Ross is talking about this and putting this match over as each person is coming out individually, all of a sudden, it's, for me, this has gone from a tag match at the end of Raw to being a really big deal. Just in those couple of moments of the entrances mm-hmm. and Jim Ross, it, they've made this feel... It, it made it have more of a big match feel to me just in, yeah. in that few moments, Mags. It definitely felt pay-per-view level. Uh, yes. And like I said, with Jim Ross on, on commentary and, and uh, Paul Heyman by his side, who... I will still say that those two are so massively underrated as a, as a commentary duo. Yeah. Just really good at bouncing off each other. Um, yeah, they, the commentary did exactly what it needed to do and made the match sound way more important. Um, I mean, it was an important match um, anyway, but they really added to that. Uh, and Danny makes another um, really good uh, um comment on in in the chat uh, saying that this match was a good example of passing the torch and uh, although you mentioned uh, I have a disdain for champions coming out first and I absolutely do that he makes a um, makes a really good point that it makes Benoit and Jericho feel like they're on the level of, of yeah. stars like Austin and Triple H so uh, whilst I, I don't like it I can see why it was done I mean Jericho was absolutely hot at the time and for him to come out last in a match of this calibre shows that the, the WWE saw something uh, in Chris Jericho and uh, he, they were essentially pushing him to the moon yeah that's it that's it it does it makes them it doesn't if they come out first or they're in the ring beforehand or whatever it's almost like they're being fed to the lions doesn't it i yeah, suppose yeah, yeah 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 exactly ah austin and jericho start the match and y2j is in control early on isn't he but something i pick up straight away here with austin and jericho and then eventually benoit comes in as well is the speed of these early interactions the bouncing off the ropes the running at each other for clotheslines and drop downs and so on the speed is incredible. It's so, so fast. Yeah, I mean, and it's not something that you expect from a, uh, an Austin match. Normally, no. he's, uh, he's very kind of brawl-heavy. Uh, usually, paces are slowed down uh, 
wrestlers are, are beat to the floor and he stomps on them or they're in the corner and mm-hmm. he's laying, uh, he's walking, uh, uh, stomping the mud all and walking it dry. But yeah, this I think this shows how much range that, that Austin had as a wrestler that I think sometimes goes a little bit uh, underappreciated that he could hang with Jericho at this time was still essentially a cruiserweight, uh, not really kind of made that physical leap to heavyweight yet. So he's obviously got the um, uh, the speed and the agility. And uh, this shows that Austin was was uh, was such a good wrestler that he was able to hang with the the, the speed of uh, uh, of, uh, of Jericho and, and not look out of place. Um, one thing I did want to touch on, though, um, and we've kind of uh, not mentioned it, and it happened quite a lot through the show, um, was uh, how cowardly Austin was. Um, yeah, I did have a note about that, actually, Maxie. I do not like this version of Austin at all. Well... I mean, I did it at the time, but now I, uh, I have a little bit more of appreciation of it. Um, I, I really enjoyed how he was such a evil um, douchebag threatening uh, the, the, the fans, saying he was going to come out there and beat every one of their asses, uh, squaring up to fans uh, on the way to the ring. But when it comes to the backstage, uh, there's a there's a spot where he's worried that uh, Deborah's been abducted because William Regal has put that that idea in his head. <laughs> yeah. um, and Undertaker comes in, uh, uh, gets in uh, Deborah's face, and Austin um, tries to act like the, the 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 brave husband, but you can see the panic in his eyes when he's squaring up to to uh, Undertaker. You see the uh, a bead of sweat dripping down his face, and then when you get to the beginning of this match, uh, he's kind of pacing the ring. But then when he gets close to Jericho or Benoit, he's backing off and kind of like um, almost hiding behind Triple H. Uh, and then when um, uh, Benoit and Jericho kind of like threaten him, he's he's he's, he's scarpering. I, I I've got a real appreciation for how well he played the 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 cowardly, uh, paranoid uh, heel champion. Um, I thought that was a a really good uh, character touch by Austin. The paranoia does kind of kind of carry on through the invasion storyline <laughs> as well, doesn't it? Like who's going to double cross us? And yeah, who's it, gets, it, 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 it gets more and more paranoid as yeah. as the as the, the the angle goes on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we see a superplex from Benoit really early on as well, don't we? And <laughs> and the crossface as well on Austin quite early on as well. And that surprised me because those are moves that I sort of in my head think we're going to see later on in the match, but they're they're, they're appearing very early indeed, aren't they, Max? Yeah, and I think that's uh, to show that. Um, Benoit and and Jericho could have a chance that they they mm. could be the team yeah. to 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 uh, to beat uh, Austin and, and Triple H. They're having uh, they're having issues, especially if you if you look back at uh, Judgment Day the night before, uh, where uh, Austin cost uh, Triple H the title, but Triple H didn't repay that favor, and he actually helped Austin to to win. There's uh, some backstage segments where um, you can feel the the tension between the two. Um, but this really kind of the the pace and 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 how quickly we see uh, Benoit and Jericho go to uh, the finishers, the 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 titles are in jeopardy. That the the champions could lose, and it, it's really good storytelling. And again, I think that works well in the arena for the fans there because I, I think this is one of those matches that kind of the the, the crowd 
get into it more and more and more. And it's, I suppose it's the, the way they tell the match and the storytelling and so on, because by the time the finish comes to the match, the crowd are rabid. Mm-hmm. much more into it and excitable than they were at the start of the match, which is kind of what you want. You want them to grow with the match as it happens. But I think Jim Ross, obviously this doesn't work for the people in, in the crowd in attendance, but for those watching at home, Jim Ross does that fantastically well. I think Jim Ross's commentary performance, I mean, Hayon's great as well, but Jim Ross as the, the play-by-play guy, Jim Ross as the, the hype guy, so to speak, he does an incredible job here of building the excitement and telling the tale of is this Jericho and Benoit's night mm-hmm. more so and sort of adding the peril and, and, all, and all this sort of stuff and building to a crescendo for the finish of the match as well. It's, it, I mean, the performance by JR here is just, to me, it makes the match. The match is great, but Jim Ross makes it even better. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, this is peak Jim Ross. He, he um, obviously we all know that he's a, a stone cold guy. Uh, always has been, always will be. Uh, but the way he builds up uh, the the potential of, of uh, Jericho and Benoit, yeah, he's, he 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 adds so much to the match. Mm. Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. During this this sequence, I suppose with with Austin in the crossface, Jericho hits a springboard dropkick to send. Triple H flying, but Triple H comes back in then with a chair and nails Benoit. And that's kind mm-hmm. of when the Benoit kicks out a two to a great reaction from the crowd. But that's kind of where the, the, the sort of the, the direction of the match changes because the heels are then taking over control mm-hmm. in the majority of, of, of the minutes that we have coming up then, Maxi, don't we? Yeah, and you, you see um, the heels being heels uh you yep. uh there's a there's a, a point not long after that 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 chair shot where you see austin grinding uh benoit's face into the mat like which just yep. a a douchebag uh tactic and then uh there's a there's a point where triple h is uh is is in the ring and he's uh got um um He's using uh, Austin uh, to get leverage uh, for for a stretch, and we get the the the, the classic uh, Earl Hebner volleying Triple H's his arm yeah. to to break the hold, which uh, absolutely is superb fun. But yeah, we see the heels doing heelish tactics and uh, trying to kind of isolate Benoit uh, away from from Jericho. It's such a, a well told story. Yeah, and some of it is is real, I suppose, classic heel tag wrestling. It's Midnight Express, <laughs> it's the Andersons, it's you know, it, it's all those sort of old heel tag teams where, for example, the baby faces crawling, uh, and you know, Benoit here could have been Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll, crawling towards the corner, desperately trying to make the tag, and just as he's about to, his opponent will run in the ring, distract the referee, so the ref doesn't <laughs> see the tag, and then has to yeah. send. So, so basically, you get the back, hot, yeah. yeah. So you get the hot tag, and the crowd go mad. But then the rest like, nope, sorry, didn't see it, and it can't. So it's almost like you get that that pop from the crowd, that reaction to the hot tag, as they refer to it as. Mm-hmm. You always get that more than once because it happens, and then it's cancelled off before it finally does happen. Isn't that right, Max? Yeah, and, that, and that's classic uh, wrestling one on one. Take the, the the fans on a on a roller coaster ride, build up the tension get the the supposed hot tag but it it doesn't happen so that builds the tension even more so when the hot tag does happen 
the crowds absolutely erupt and the, and the, the wrestler coming into the ring cleans house and yeah get you get yeah. massive pops classic classic wrestling like i said midnight express style um yeah. really the, the things like that um sometimes nowadays are, are, uh have kind of fallen by the wayside uh for technical prowess but the simple things like like isolating an opponent cutting off the ring uh it may just be kind of like uh catchphrases or 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 uh, just uh one-on-one commentary but it's it's true it really works it tells a really good story that one of the the faces is being beat down and the other face can't do anything about it uh sticking to the rules but uh once they get that hot tag yeah the the the, the crowd are fully behind them yeah exactly exactly it the pace is still relatively quick here as well i think which is funny because when the heels take over normally you tend to find a match kind of slows down a bit but mm-hmm. here i don't i mean it does it does slow down a touch but it doesn't slow down to what i would especially with triple h because i was in my head pitch triple h having quite a methodical style but even the bits that he's involved in have still got quite a bit of, quite a bit of zip to them still got quite a bit of pace to them haven't they they have and even after the the injury still um ah uh i don't know if it was uh just uh the mandela effect but i kind of remember triple h really slowing down after the injury but he doesn't he's uh if you didn't know he was injured you'd think he it was him kind of like selling uh yeah but he, he keeps up the pace i mean it's uh afterwards when you find out what has actually gone wrong with him you can't help but have a lot of respect for the guy for for powering through and keeping up that pace uh in in the match yeah uh it was um quite a fast paced match i mean you're talking what 14 minutes maybe of, of match but there's a hell of a lot of of uh of ring work in there yeah i mean we'll get to the injury now i suppose i mean jericho knocks triple h out the ring applies the walls of jericho to and and Austin. the the unique way of him kind of um, uh, avoiding the Lufes press yes. uh, to to get that, I thought so that that was really, really yeah. well done. Yeah, yeah really, really, really well done. done. Uh, he applies the walls of Jericho on Austin there. And then Triple H comes back in from the outside where Jericho's disposed of him too. And I mean, I'm assuming majority of people have seen footage of this. He basically grabs Jericho by the hair to rip him off. And his leg effectively just bends and buckles underneath him, and everything kind of goes snap, doesn't it, Mag? So it it does. Uh, and um, I, I actually uh, showed the wife this uh, when when I was watching it earlier, um, and you can see the point where um, his uh, his left quad essentially comes away from the bone, uh, yeah. and you can see his uh, the the wobble in his muscle uh, and the way one leg kind of doesn't look. Like the other leg, Um, but the way he carries on again, I'm I'm not one of the hugest Triple H's fan. I respect what he's done uh, uh, for for wrestling, um, but it was never my guy. But to see how he continued this match and not only continued it, took the walls of Jericho on the table whilst uh, his quad was it must have been searing agony pain yeah uh, just what a guy what a just guy unreal yeah just unreal i mean that, that, we're effectively then coming to the finish aren't we if we're talking the wars of jericho on the table it's mm-hmm. uh, it, i mean that's not 
it's not that quick. Triple H moves around still, effectively on one leg, and does a few more things as well. It's, it's yeah. worth checking out just just for that side of his performance. Um, it, we end up with Benoit. He, he's he's making a cover in the ring before uh, Austin comes in, hits a stunner on Benoit, but then Jericho breaks the count there because that to me looked like okay, that's where the match was going to end. Yeah, but it's the the the, the pinfall attempt gets broken up uh, here, and then. A, a lion salt attempt is missed, but then another lion salt is hit, and Triple H then comes back into the ring, knackered quad and all, with his sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. He goes to nail uh, Jericho in the back. Jericho moves and he drills Austin with the sledgehammer instead. Austin, uh, Austin is then pinned by Jericho. So effectively, Triple H using the sledgehammer has cost his team the tag titles, and the crowd go batshit crazy, Max, don't they? Yeah, exactly, and and it's um, very ironic because um, uh, before the match, Triple H and Austin have a backstage segment where uh, Triple H is uh, essentially disrespecting Austin, and Austin says, "I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. You need to respect me." Uh, and Triple H says, "Prove it." And it's ironic that Triple H is the one who cost uh, Austin uh, the match, but it it shows just how. M- much they thought of Jericho and Benoit that they that Austin took the pin. Mm-hmm. Austin, the, yep. the the current double champion, and uh, it's not often in in WWE or WWF that they have one tag team holding all of the gold. I think before this there was only um, Shawn Michaels and Diesel who uh, I think they they were uh, both dual champions for like a day. Yeah. But this is putting all of the gold on 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 um, Austin and, and Triple H for quite a while. Um, so um, it just shows how much they had faith in Jericho and, and Benoit uh, for them to pin the world champion. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that. I suppose the crowd are going wild. JR's amazing in selling how important this moment is. And, and we go off the air. So, Maxi, out of 10, bud, what are you thinking? Now, um, a lot of uh, stuff from the Attitude Era, um, it hasn't translated well. I mean, we look back uh, on it with a lot of uh, rose-coloured glasses, I suppose, but there was a lot of shit there. Um, But this, I think, this has translated really well. Um, Four huge stars um, at the time, uh, four four people who um, will go down... uh, in wrestling history, some for for things that maybe um, are a, a little bit darker, but uh, in terms of wrestling ability, four of the the best to do it. Um, I had a whale of a time watching this. Fourteen minutes; it's re- easily digestible. You can uh, you can feel how important this match was, uh, as as you mentioned with with Jim Ross uh, really selling it. Um, it was a great storyline happening at the time. You had Jericho uh, reaching the, his peak in in WWE, where uh, they were pushing everything behind him. Uh, Triple H and and Austin. Perfectly uh, places those um, those dastardly heels, Austin the coward, and Triple H just the massive douchebag. I I I loved watching this. Um, it's one of the the better matches we've watched on 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 this show. Uh, I am happy to give this a nine. Why? Wow, as high as that? Ah, okay. As high as that? Why? Wow, that's interesting. I've got seven and a half. Oof. So I you did it enjoy it. No, I did. I, I, I thought it was really good. I loved it. But it's almost like 
what is the hanger for me is the fact, and again, this may be because of the injury, but looking at the way it cut off TV-wise, the, in, the, the match carried on the way it should have anyway, I'm assuming. To me, I almost wanted five minutes more. <laughs> you know, this is... this is it, To me, if this goes 20 minutes, then uh, it, at the pace they're, they're at and the action they're at, if this goes 20 minutes, then I'm looking at like, something as high as you've given it. But the fact that it's only 13 and a half, 14 minutes makes me think okay i could have done with more of that so that's why i've marked it down a touch but i did i i I recommend everybody goes and checks this match out i really really enjoyed it but the length of it did at the beginning we were saying this feels like a pay-per-view match at the end of it because of how quickly it was over made me think back to it being a tv match if that makes sense yeah i get i get that um and Perhaps if Triple H, they called it on the flap, perhaps if Triple H hadn't got mm. injured, it may have gotten longer. Um, perhaps um, there was going to be more uh, to this after after the fact. Maybe there would have been um, um, rematches down the line. Uh, who knows? But yeah, I, 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 I can concede that point. Uh, this needed more time. Uh, but I think they did so well with, with the time that they got. There was not... Uh, there was very few missteps. Um, the pace uh, kept up pretty well. The storyline uh, was was um, the the way they took the the fans on on a journey. I, I massively appreciate that. And and for Triple H to uh, to have as horrific an injury as he did, and still. Uh, go on and play a massive part in this um in in the finish yeah I, i'll give him props for that so yeah i'm happy giving it a nan yeah yeah that's fair enough mate fair enough uh, that's why this show is so good because we sometimes we agree sometimes we disagree but whatever it's just great chatting wrestling with you again bud mm-hmm. where shall we go next week maxi okay so uh, as i've said um i haven't uh listened or watched to the episodes without me on because why would i i'm obviously the <laughs> star the draw um, oh my god listen to you so <laughs> i may i may have a pick that's uh, been picked before but tough titties i'm picking it anyway um so uh, i mentioned how this was uh kind of like the uh the wf really throwing a lot behind uh uh, Chris Jericho, he ends up being uh, a big part of the the, the invasion uh, angle. Um, almost cost Team WF the the whole uh, the whole yeah. uh, bag of marbles with uh, with him attacking the Rock. Uh, but we, as we get to later on in the year, uh, Jericho really kind of starts to force his way into the upper echelon of, uh, of WF and really become one of the, the breakout stars um, so I want to, to look at that, uh, go to uh, the end of the year uh, Vengeance um, and uh, this is where we have uh, the, the, the inversion angle is pretty much wrapped up uh, all the titles have been kind of like uh, um, combined except for um the two world titles uh, we still have two world champions we have the 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 wf champion and we have what's now what would have been the wcw but is now the world's heavyweight champion um and they had a uh, a four-man tournament to uh to crown um an undisputed uh wf champion um there was uh stone cold 
uh, who was the, the current WF ta- champion. He took on Kurt Angle. And then we had The Rock, who was the, the world champion. He took on Chris Jericho. And the winners went on to face each other uh, in the final to, uh, to essentially um, become the one single uh, world champion in the WF. Um, so I want to revisit that. Okay. Um, and again, uh, as I am, uh, as I normally do, I'm kind of bending the rules a bit. Uh, there's two uh, matches essentially that go back to back. So I want to watch uh, Chris Jericho uh, taking on The Rock for the World Championship, and then Chris Jericho straight away having to take on Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, for the the undisputed. WF Tal. So two Chris Jericho matches back to back on one pay per view for all of the marbles from Vengeance 2001. And I imagine as well, just because of the way that you and I both work, Magsy, if that selection wins the vote, if it wins this week's poll, we'll probably also have a little look at Stone Cold Kurt Angle as well, won't we? Maybe. Because it, yeah, it, we're effectively going to be looking at the title tournament from Vengeance, shall we say? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. We're going, yeah, okay, that's fair enough, mate. That's fair enough. Four fantastic names in that and three three awesome matches, what I remember. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to that time. Again, I don't think I've seen that anytime recent, but, you know, the fact that you've got the big gold belt, which is one of my favourites, plus Jericho's amazing. Austin's amazing. The Rock as well. Yeah, yeah, great selection, mate. Great choice, great choice. Uh, my selection that's going to go up against it is really, really close to this in timeline-wise, to be mm. honest. If, in fact, it's literally... A month afterwards and i'm going to use triple h as the link i would like to have a little look obviously this is the injury where triple h is knackered is is his legs gone is his torn his quad that's it end of the end of it for mrs the whole invasion storyline etc etc i would like to look at his triumphant return time to play the game time to play the game So I would like to have half a look at the Madison Square Garden return of Triple H, that little just just him returning in the crowd pop. But my match selection will be the 2002 War Rumble. That is what I would like to put up. Great pick. And I always think when we do Rumbles, it's excellent because there's so many people we can talk about and so many variables as to where we can link to from that again. I mean, Mr. Perfect returns in this Rumble for Kong Out Loud. It does. You know, and, and Austin's and in the Rumble and it's, it's, a, it's good. And the, I think the Perfect was meant to be a one and done, but he impressed mm. so much in the, in the Rumble that he got a contract out of it and then mm. ruined it for himself on the plane ride from hell. Yes, acted far less than perfect, let's be honest. <laughs> Dan Griffin in the chat there. Which Barry Windham maps is Sai picking? Is Barry Windham in the 2002 Rumble? We'll have to wait till next week and find out if my poll wins. <laughs> my selection of the wins the poll, sorry. <laughs> so those are your choices. Those are your choices. We have effectively the, the tournament from Vengeance to unify the world titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Basically... Steve Austin faces Kurt Angle, and then we have uh, Jericho facing The Rock and Austin, 
and so on to unify the belts. So some great names involved there, unifying the WCW and WWF world titles. A big moment in history, realistically. Very, very big. Something that a lot of people for a long time thought would never happen. Or we have the 2002 Royal Rumble, uh, Triple H's triumphant return from the injury he suffered in the match we looked at today. And we'll have a quick check of, of, of that moment where he returns at Madison Square Garden too, if that wins. Two great selections there, full of great wrestling. I think it's going to be very difficult for the CWF to decide, Mags. But the poll will be up, as always, uh, later in the week after the audio version comes out. Check it out on our Twitter, at chain underscore wrestling, to vote there. Magsy, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you? Well, uh, in the, these past uh, six to eight weeks or so, I've been very kind of MIA on um, social media. Um, I've actually enjoyed um, kind of like taking a break from it. Uh, yeah, I but, can but you can still find me on Twitter down here at Podfather Mags. Um, depending on whether the podcasts uh, come back or not, I may have to change the handle because uh, <laughs> Sayer is uh, definitely taking over that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> in in terms of uh, other places, you can find me on TikTok at Mags All Pods. Um, in with the content. Just keep your eyes peeled. If I, I if I turn back up, uh, I'm sure uh, you will know about it on on the socials. So uh, yeah, but I just want to thank everyone again for being uh, as amazing as you have over the past uh, six to eight weeks. Thank you, Sir, for not only um, keeping the show going, um, but being the rock that you've been. You've been absolutely amazing. Um, for for those who don't know, Sai essentially uh, has been checking in on me pretty much every single day, um, and it, it's not about just keeping the podcast going. It's about him being a really good mate, and I massively, massively appreciate you and Sharon. You have been absolute stars. Um, really, really helped me through this uh, time. Uh, someone who I've, I've really enjoyed talking to, give me some really good advice. Um, yeah, so. Thanks a lot for, for being amazing. You absolutely are a superstar. Oh, mate, that's really kind of you to say. I'm, I'm just glad that you're doing okay. And I'm glad that, glad that you're back. Well, I say you're back. You're here next week. Um, I'm here next week. Yeah. Fantastic. That's what I wanted to hear. I, I love it, mate. Love it. I'm just glad. I'm just, and I, as everyone is in the chat as well, before you know, the start of the show now, saying they love you. It's great to have you back, Magsy. Really, really just great news to see you doing well and just to, have your lovely little round it. face back on our screens mate brilliant and obviously in your ear holes if you're listening to the audio version not your face in the ear holes that's weird but you know what i mean fun fact and i don't think i've actually mentioned it on the recording uh i did have covid as well whilst i was oh, yeah. off uh and it made me deaf it yeah. made me deaf for a while uh still struggling with it now i can actually only hear you through one ear at the moment um but yeah that's yeah, that's I been fun that. I forgot that. I was actually going <laughs> to mention that and tell everyone in the chat to write in capitals so they could hit, so you could hear them. I was yeah. hoping that you had learned <laughs> sign language or at least Braille in the time that I've been away. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at SJP Words, or if you are on Facebook, there is a group there, SJP, all the shows and info, and there's links on both of those to all the stuff I'm involved in, whether that's Nitro Nights, looking at WCW with Scottish Danny, or if time travel, sci-fi geekiness is more your bag, 
or I do a show looking at Quantum Leap with Benny Mac every week called The Waiting Room and the Doctor Who pod with Dan Griffin coming back very, very soon for season two. But most importantly, you can find this show, Chain Wrestling, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and that TikTok thingamy at chain underscore wrestling at chain underscore wrestling and all the, the poll is always going to be up on twitter as well so if you haven't got a twitter account and you want to you want to vote tough shit really it's gonna be on- <laughs> there's not much i can do about it <laughs> just open a twitter account just to you just just follow us that's all you need you know everyone else on twitter sucks just follow us there we go at chain underscore wrestling there magzi once again bloody fantastic loving having your back mate loving having your back it's i'm glad to be back um i needed the time away i needed to kind of like put my um mind and my uh life i suppose into some perspective but as i said at the beginning of the show this it was important that i came back to to chain wrestling um and so i'm glad to be back and uh tom you have you have popped on just at the at the wrong time we're signing off but yeah thank you for for your support as well tom you've been absolutely amazing um and yeah thank you for for the prayers coming from somebody who's uh who's having a lot of success uh yeah it means a lot tom yeah yeah awesome stuff awesome stuff right i guess all that's left now is for me to say i'm off now to go and watch cm punk win the aw world title on repeat all night because it happened last night and i'm still bloody buzzing about it magsy i'm so so happy to say i'll see you next week bud bye bye The cult of personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been everything you wanna be Oh, I'm the cult of personality Like Mussolini and Kennedy I'm the cult of personality the cult of personality, the cult of personality.